Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Thursday home, Silver Sevens, Cofield and Company. Slowest day in sports, right? Nothing to bet on. We'll get to the Yankees Red Sox cancellation in about 15 minutes. Struggle to put together the show today. Not really. Hmm. Adam Hill is here. Lots to get to. Positive, negative, real sports. Otherwise, uh, Jeff's helping us out at Silver Sevens. Good times, good times, good times. Unless you hit the crime blotter. (laughs) We'll get into the Richard Sherman situation with Xavier Pope towards the end of the hour. He's our Thursday legal analyst out of Chicago. But we got one close to home that ties in Pittsburgh. And then coming back ties us in, right? With some Vegas ties. It happened here in Vegas, but it's got Vegas ties who is, I don't even know how you say her first name. Do you know how to say it? Is it Calabria? 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 Sounds right. Gondrzek. Uh-oh. Haskins. Uh-oh. Apparently, uh, she got into some sort of skirmish on July 3rd. She was arrested. She's the wife of quarterback Dwayne Haskins, who's now with the Steelers. Rudely pushed out of Washington after almost no time there. And apparently there was some sort of physicality, and he had a tooth knocked out. Yeah, officers arrived at the room, and they were able to locate the tooth uh, across the room. Ugly situation. Obviously, he had a, uh, a pretty messed up lip as well uh, from the skirmish. So, pretty seems pretty easy to put the details together of she hit him and the tooth came out. Uh, but, of course, we will... Uh, have this situation play out and we'll get more and more details as you know the case proceeds uh but yeah it broke yesterday happened uh as you said a little over a week ago uh here in las vegas 2 30 in the morning uh they were here for a wedding big group of people and uh things turn sometimes uh domestic abuse is not limited to women keep the same energy when it's a man who's a victim it can be extremely difficult for men to talk about physical emotional mental Financial and or sexual abuse because they are met with jokes and judgment. Abusers are wrong, period. That from Joy Taylor of the Cowherd Show. Yeah, and I think that I do think that's an important point. I mean, you know, I think people look at this not the same way they would um, if it was a man that had hit a woman. And, you know, listen, there was damage done to Dwayne Haskins. And, and the fact that he's a football player as well, I think, weighs into this. People are like, oh, you know, football player got hit by a girl. Who cares? Like, it can be a serious situation, and clearly, she knocked his tooth out. So it's not like a you know a slap. News on Trevor Bauer. Different sort of incident. The admin leave from Major League Baseball extended past July 27th, or actually to July 27th. Yeah. He's got a scheduled July 23rd hearing for a, a domestic violence restraining order filed by the woman in L.A. Superior Court. So you've got MLB and Pasadena 
police department doing separate investigations based on the allegations that came out a few weeks ago. So no Trevor Bauer at the earliest till basically August for the I, Dodgers. I would be willing to bet it extends beyond that as well. And I don't I don't think based on, you know, the the schedule uh, of the court that there'd be a whole lot coming out on that hearing either way. And so what do you I mean if there's no real further information that comes out at that time, I, I don't know what you're going to learn between now and then that would that would change change the dynamic of this situation. It's a it's listen. Of course, this is about the victim and about Trevor Bauer and about that situation and all those other things. This is not about baseball at this point, but it is a really tough spot for baseball to be. It, it's tough. If, if there's absolutely nothing to this, I'm, I'm not saying I don't know what I don't know what happened. I have no idea. But if there's nothing to it and baseball continues to suspend him and suspend him and suspend him. It's a really tough spot for them to be in. But they also don't want to say, well, hey, we, there's nothing we can do. We're out of this. We're going to wait for the system to play out. And then all of a sudden, it comes out it's even worse than we thought. And they let him play through this. It's a really tough spot to be in. It's why I don't think that league should be involved in, in anything until it plays out in court. And they, they find out what all the details are. Because I, I just I don't know. It's a really difficult position for them. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. We jumped the gun. All that violence, conflict, violence, conflict, violence, conflict. Uh, This one is actually sanctioned, and people are rewarded for their activity. Conor McGregor lost a fight to Dustin Poirier, broke his leg, broke his ankle. Uh, He was driving around a little scooter today (laughs) out of the hospital. Didn't seem like he was whacked or high. Kind of seems from his uh, social media the last couple of days that something was going on, but he seemed to be speaking clearly and explained that uh, maybe the leg might have been jacked up before the fight, before he ever stepped in the cage. At what point did the leg break? Ask Dana White, ask the UFC, ask Dr. Davidson, the, the head doctor of the UFC. They knew I was, my leg, I had a stress fractures in my leg going into that cage. There was debate about pulling the thing out because I was sparring with no shin pads and I was kicking, I kicked the knee a few times. So I had multiple stress fractures in the shin bone above the ankle. What's your reaction to him saying that he had stress fractures before the fight and that Dana White and the doctors let him fight? Well, I mean, obviously, Connor has seen he's been frustrated with some of the things that have come out of, you know, Dustin being the one that hurt the ankle. And he's very annoyed by that. And, and the general consensus around the MMA world right now is actually started by uh, prominent trainer Eric Nixick's mother, who believes she found the spot on the video. And everybody kind of, um, you know, went on to that theory where Poye blocked a kick with his elbow and that's what blocked, That's what broke Connor's ankle, and he doesn't want that narrative that Dustin Poirier did something to cause that damage. So he's been trying to deflect away from that. He wants the he wants the narrative to be that it was a fluke injury, had nothing to do with Poirier, and then they can sell that next fight. But it does become very interesting when he puts this on the UFC and uh, their longtime doctor, Doctor Davidson, who you know has been around for a long time, is you know very capable medical professional and he's saying hey they knew i had a stress fracture well, did the commission know that's my i've reached out 
I haven't heard anything back yet. Like, I understand why Connor wants to sell this narrative for sure. But it's the commission's job then to not allow him to fight. So did the UFC falsify documents? Did Connor falsify anything? Like, that's the, now that's the question. Because you can claim this all you want. There's nothing wrong with claiming it and trying to sell this as, hey, guess what? I was already hurt. And that's fine to do it in the media and to do it on your Instagram. But if you fill that paperwork, if you knew that you had a stress fracture and you fill that paperwork that said you didn't, or the UFC turned in paperwork that said that he didn't, or, or he got a physical and they said, no, he's good to go, that's an issue. That's a problem. When do you expect to hear back from the commission? Hopefully today. Okay. Do they respond to stuff like this? I know they've been a little more closed down since uh, Keith Kaiser moved on years sure. ago. Sure. Uh, usually, yes. Um, but I, I also know that, like, you know, I, I think that you know, there's legal issues for them too. So I don't think I don't think they'd want to just you know respond either way right away. I think they need to check on some things. From here, does everyone do the parties involved wait, or do we get some sort of response pretty quickly? Dana White does a lot of media, and if uh, poked and prodded on this, do we does this turn into another Conor McGregor, Dana White war <laughs> on social media and through interviews? Well, I don't think, you know, Dana's a promoter and a marketer too. Like, I don't think he'd have a problem, you know, going along with this story as long as nothing was done officially. Like, that's the issue. Like, right. selling this whole narrative officially and talking to the media about it and saying, hey, yeah, he was heard. And oh, this is great. Time. He's resurrected. Fun. You, you are, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I don't even know I talk to him anymore on all these shows. But, you know, we were talking about, is there a reason to have a fourth fight? Is there a reason after this uh, that Conor McGregor should be involved in big fights again? Yeah, here it is right here. He's resurrected. Sure. He has an excuse going into the fight, if this is true, that he, his leg was broken. He had fractures, so it was ready to go at any moment. Yeah. And, and, it, and that'll it, be the whole promotion the next time around. And if you're Dustin Poirier, you're like, okay. Right. I, you know, it's funny. Last week. I saw Gilbert Burns before the pre-fight, and someone must have asked him about Nate Diaz, and he's like, he doesn't deserve a fight with me. I'm like, are you stupid? No one knows who you are. You want to get in there with the money fighters. So for Poirier, I mean, are odds up for the next fight? Uh, I'm sure somewhere I haven't seen I mean, would, I mean, it, Conor McGregor draws money, so you can't make sure. the number too high, but like... I mean, what is it next time? 180, 200? Right, that, like for Poirier, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a, it's a complete walkover, but you got a guy coming off a snapped leg who, style-wise, doesn't seem to be able to compete with you. If I'm Poirier, I'm like, you know what? He deserves another shot. I feel terrible that his <laughs> leg was broke. I, I, like, sure. I go right in on it. Sure, and especially now Poirier, Poirier said he'll fight him in the octagon or on the sidewalk. So, I mean, do it. I, I, I guess he's cool with doing it. Um, I don't I don't think he's going to be cool with this. But, again, I think the important thing is, like, yes, Dana White could say in an interview, he could tell me or he could go on a radio show or whatever and say, yeah, Connor had some issues. Connor had a leg issue. He had an injury. Or he can say whatever he wants. All that matters is what they said to the commission. What does the commission know? What did the commission um, – what information do they have? What were they told? And was it accurate and factual at the time? That's what matters. Like, what you say in the media doesn't really matter as far as this goes. Right. But on the record, yeah, that's, a, that's an important distinction. You see how quickly narratives change? Sons in four – Sons in five, lock, it's done. Bucks are stupid, you know, led by Coach Bud. He doesn't know what he's doing. Now it's 2-2. Now it's a 2-3 of three series. You called it yesterday. I was with you. Uh, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like the Bucks were blowing them out and held them off. Bucks had to come up with some defensive stops down the stretch, but they did it. And 
Yeah, we can talk about the defensive plays here in a second. Obviously, they are a different team when Chris Middleton is aggressive and finishes, and he was a star player last night, and now it's yeah. 2-2. Yeah, and one of the things about Middleton going into the series is – and. You know, going into the series and analyzing it, I think a lot of the the talk, and I know one of the conversations I was having uh, on the air was, like, Middleton can be that guy for a game or two. Like, he's going to have a game or two where he goes off and he carries you. But without Giannis, because it looked like Giannis probably wouldn't play in the series, it wasn't going to happen enough. Middleton wasn't going to be able to do that enough. Well, Giannis being there and doing what he does every single game allows you to kind of wait for Middleton to have those breakout games and you can still be in the series. And that's kind of what happened. Middleton goes off for 40. It's enough. They need it. They need every one of them. And he gets them there. And, and now it's a you know 2-2 series, as you said. And the Bucks, I don't know if momentum travels back to Phoenix here, but you know they're right back in the series. And I think the Suns have to be looking at this and saying, hey, all we need to do is win one game and we were in complete control. And now we're in, you know, fight for our lives mode again. A lot more coming up. The Giannis block, the officiating last night, all of that on the way. But right now, a giveaway caller, 11 364 Battle for Vegas is back at Las Vegas Ballpark. Team Riley Smith going against Team Marcus Allen. Charity game, Saturday, July 24th. It's all courtesy of Finley Volvo Las Vegas. We're giving away two tickets right now. Caller 11 to the Battle for Vegas at LV Ballpark. Riley Smith. Against uh, Team Marcus Allen, Celebrity Home Run Derby, 6.30, first pitch. 7.30, awesome family event under the lights at LV Ballpark. You can get your own tickets at Ticketmaster. But right now, Caller 11 gets a pair of tickets for the Battle for Vegas. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. That was pretty impressive. Best block ever. All right, calm down. But massive at that moment of the game. Giannis also had a swipe of CP3 when uh, Chris Paul was dribbling in front of him. Paul goes to the ground. Turnover goes the other way. Middleton, bucket. What do you think of the block? I mean, for the time of the game, <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Oop. Should have been slammed down. Uh, Aiton for a seven-footer is one of the best leapers you're ever going to see. I saw a still photo of it. The the distance above the hoop where Giannis had to meet Aiton was incredible. By the way, we you know we never hit on this yesterday. Um, I can't wait to see what happens in the draft or this guy just gets picked up by someone. Uh, Jericho Sims, who's a 6'10 prospect out of Texas, he's caught on video the other day throwing down a dunk. In the warm-up line, he freaking banged his eye on the rim. Yeah. Coming down. Yeah. I've never seen a 6'10 player. Like, kudos to Larry Nance, who was a leaper at 6'10 with a two-ball dunk back in the dunk contest in, like, 84. This kid was, like, pushing the ball forward to dunk it and actually hit his face on the rim coming down. So, so if you so if you think that DeAndre Ayton is like the last giant sized athlete to come along, there's more coming. Oh. The evolution of the human being is nuts. But bottom line is, uh, Giannis made a freaking key block. He met him at basically the peak of the jump, blocks him, and those two defensive plays, like that's really what the Bucks were missing much of the game. 
Sure. And Giannis is one of the best defenders in the league and, and you know, the, certainly on display there. But the block was incredible. It, it wasn't the best part of the play, though, to me, because it, it was a bad pass. Terrible pass. Uh, also, because it was a bad pass, Aiton didn't catch it. So he was just kind of trying to push the ball toward the rim uh, when it got blocked. But the reason it was a bad pass, the reason the play was disrupted was because the way that Giannis played that handoff ball screen was so perfect. Incredible. His length to be able to basically cover from the free throw line back to the rim in a split second. Again, I was just raving about the athleticism of Aiton. Greek freak is beyond anyone because at that size. He hedged that ball screen, which the, the handoff came at the top of the key. He was below the free throw line stopping, the, stopping dribble penetration. The lob goes up. He spins, turns, and gets back to the baseline to make the block. I saw Mike Schmitz, who uh, is a draft analyst, big basketball guy, good X's and O's guy for ESPN, said that Giannis Block was a great example of how to play the cat and mouse game as the pick-and-roll big defender in these drops. The best bigs are able to defend two players at once, reading the eyes of the passer. Even with Aiton getting behind him, Giannis, length and effort made up for it. Yeah, and I I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to argue with him because he's really good at what he does. But I would also say, like, it's not – an example of how you know big men can defend that. It's an example of how of how Giannis <laughs> yes. can defend that. I don't know of another big man that can def- can make that play defensively to to hedge that ball screen, stop the ball, force a bad pass, and then still get back to block the lob. Since it all worked out in the end, and the Bucks weren't screwed by two Booker fouls that weren't called in the final three forty one, are we good to go with this? We just move along, or we have to mention it? No, I think you have to mention it. And, and, and it didn't impact – it actually – it probably helped the Bucks to not make the call, honestly, um, because they ended up – like, especially the, the one egregious one on the fast break where, where he made – he fouled on purpose. He basically fouled at, like, every level he could on Drew Holiday. Right. He fouled on purpose like to at stop the arm. He had a hand on his shoulder. Like, his rear end was pushing into him. Like, every – there were, like, four points of contact. Yeah. It, and, 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 again, it wasn't – it's not like he just – fouled he fouled on purpose to stop a breakaway because he didn't want them to get a layup but because he had five fouls and we know how the nba referees treat star players they don't call it now what happens is you know the bucks follow get the layup and they score the two points anyway so it doesn't really matter uh except booker would have been out of the game and and you know at that point again didn't matter the bucks pulled away down the stretch but yeah you still have to talk about it it's not we're not results-based thinkers here we're not morons that's how idiots think and so you do have to look back and say okay that's not acceptable and then the rest did say after the game to the pool reporter like hey he should have been fouled out there yeah no kidding again it was an intentional not you know not intentional like two free throws in the ball it was an intentional foul and then later in the game chris paul and i forget who else was trapping uh it was middleton right inside of a minute they're trapping them. They're just trapping. They're not going for the ball. They're not slapping them. And the, the ref just made, like, a, an assumption call, like, oh, they want to foul him. Well, meanwhile, Giannis is standing two feet away. No, the goal is trap, throw to Giannis, and then get after the terrible free throw shooter. Right. And that's why Chris Paul was like, what are you doing? The inconsistencies kill the game at times. NBA ref. It didn't, it didn't destroy the game because I also saw people saying, you know, it ruined the game. Like, it didn't ruin what, the game. What ruined the game more, the officiating in the, in the NBA game or the uniforms in the MLB I know, All-Star this, game? This, some of the recent, it ruined the game claims. And you don't like sports that much because there was a lot, a lot of other things to appreciate 
from the game. On the way back, we got to get to uh, the latest updates. Yeah, we're still doing Talk about deja vu. How many Thursdays did we come in here during the NFL season? And Thursday really was COVID day for the NFL. We'd find out if the Raiders were in trouble, someone else was in trouble. We're still freaking doing it on July 15th. We got a member who's going to be off the Olympic team, and we're supposed to have one baseball game tonight. Nope, Yankees-Red Sox off. We want all the smoke. Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 and let us have it. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. All right, we're about 15 minutes away from talking to our buddy uh, Xavier Pope. We'll get into the Richard Sherman situation and the fallout from Stephen A. Smith and uh, Maria Taylor as well. A couple of notes to get you. First of all, we're at Silver 7s. Happy hour has begun, 277 on many of the drinks, the beers, the shots, margaritas, Flamingo in Paradise. You can sign up for A Play. That's their player club, and you can get up to 77 bucks in free play. If you want to go hardcore Raiders and NFL, we've got our newest host, Q Myers, right? A regular on Cofield and Company for uh, the last year or so. Well, he's actually on today in for uh, Vincenzo over on Raider Nation Radio 920. He's got Kirk Morrison on. He's got... Uh, Omar Ruiz on, Lincoln Kennedy's going to check in, some words from Mark Bedane as well. So coming out of the gates, strong, strong, strong with Q Myers across the way on our sister station, 4 o'clock on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. And uh, Barry, listener Barry just stopped by and gave us a handwritten note, said uh, thanks for the show, try to listen every day. He's fired up about Dave Koken giving him a winner last year, Alabama football winner, and he said uh, as a senior, the winning is nice. Keep up the good work. And he just said you're crazy, but you're good. Oh. That from that from listener Barry. That's accurate. Who came down. Okay, so we got a we got multiple COVID updates. Uh, one doesn't affect, you know, games. Uh, but you saw the Rich Eisen, one of the uh, hosts over on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, does the national show, you know, NFL Network guy, former ESPN guy. Uh, he was fully vaxxed. He's four days into a quarantine. So he got COVID, put out a message, you know what, get the vaccine. We don't have to sit here and lecture you, but we find out today that there's an outbreak with the Yankees again. And I think they have at least six positives. From what I was reading, everyone there was fully vaccinated, and it looks like Aaron Judge could be the guy who tested positive. It may have started at the All-Star game. And now the Red Sox have been, you know, the Red Sox were told after the All-Star game or shortly after that there's some issues you guys need to get tested so that was the lone baseball game tonight gone done in no game i just want to make one correction to you and it's why when people say oh it doesn't affect you if you're vaccinated it doesn't affect you you said the players were vaccinated one wasn't so judge wasn't well we don't know which one but one was not oh, no and it appears that that's probably what fought, what caused this and the very, 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 very important detail of this story. One of the players was not vaccinated. One of the players is symptomatic. That one. Okay. So the the vaccinated players are all asymptomatic at this point. The unvaccinated player is symptomatic. Uh, NBA Olympics-related men's basketball team lost a good player. U.S. team, Bradley Beal, out, not going to Tokyo, out. Went into uh, health and safety protocols. 
There's another player on the team who I think is uh, being checked out, but Beal's officially off the team. Yeah, I'm starting – well, he's off the team, and I'm starting to get a little bit worried. That there could be a rash, and all of a sudden it's going to be NBA – well, I'm not going to say NBA backups. It's going to be a different-looking team that goes to Tokyo? Well, no, that doesn't go to Tokyo. You don't don't think the team's going to go at all? I'm saying that nobody goes to Tokyo. Wait a second. Well, I mean, that's not shocking. Obviously, there's a – a lot of folks in Japan who don't even want the Olympics there. Yeah, I think what, nobody. Less, than, less than 14% of uh, Japanese citizens are vaccinated. So essentially, Japan doesn't have any say whether the Olympics happen or not. We've talked about how bad the, the Olympic deals are. The world is invading Japan. Yes. We've talked about this in the past. The, the two worst deals in all of sports are the deal the NFL does with Super Bowl cities, where they basically have like autonomy over the cities for, for a week or two weeks. Uh, the Olympics are worse. Uh, Japan is like, please, please, please don't have the Olympics here. And the IOC says, yeah, we're having them. So eight days. July 23rd, eight I, days. I, the Olympics are happening. I'm, I'm pessimistic because, you know, I love the Olympics. I'm a huge It's a very weird thing. I don't know why. It's usually something I would probably make fun of and hate. I love the Olympics, though. I hate the Olympic Committee, the IOC, but I love the actual competition of the Olympics and I'm just, every day you're like, oh, man, please, please just let's, let's have the events. And every day I get a little bit, little bit more worried. But, yeah, for right now, Bradley Beal, not part of it, which isn't good. He's a, a very key player, and we know that you know, the world is catching up. They're going to need all these players. So back to the Yankees, uh, official news. Uh, so three players have been confirmed positive, uh, Judge and Urshel and another player in COVID-19 protocol. So no one right now is saying that Judge is positive. Right. Yeah, we don't know. And Judge, as you said, was in Colorado, so that's the, you know. And now you got, so that means you got contact tracing with lots of players around yeah. baseball. Yep. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, what you do affects others, so. Broken record. Yeah. And we got football coming, and, you know, baseball teams and basketball teams are relatively small as compared to football teams. This is going to be quite an interesting five, six-week lead-up to the beginning of college football and the NFL. Yeah, and it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of this talk, and every time, again, you know, you, you said yesterday it was frustrating to hear it every time, but yeah, every time people are like, oh, this again? Yes. By the way, just so we know, L.A. County, just in the last couple hours, back to mass mandates indoors. Which, because people are, which people are pissed about. And their cases are out of control. Like, But if you continue to, to act irresponsibly, these things are going to happen. Like, This is still a thing. Freedom, buddy. Xavier Pope is up next, our uh, legal analyst out of Chicago, a cultural analyst, and uh, we will absolutely get into what Stephen A. Smith said at the beginning of the week about Shohei Otani and his apology and the impact on baseball moving forward. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Goldfield or call 702-364-1100 now. They were detrimentally affected by my words. I have friends from the Asian American community that expressed their disappointment in what I had to say because of all the things that they have had to deal with, the anti-Asian uh, stuff going on, the Asian hate that's been percolating in this nation over the last few years, and we all know to some degree why that is. I contributed to that yesterday, 
And that's inexcusable. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. That was Stephen A. Smith the other day on ESPN. After his take that Shohei Otani wasn't exactly good for building baseball in America. We're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes as we bring in our Thursday legal analyst, cultural analyst, Xavier Pope out of Chicago. Xavier, let's start with a serious issue. And that was a Richard Sherman story that dropped yesterday. And I wonder how you're approaching this on social media and what do you think the media in general should do with the Richard Sherman story? Number one, I think it's important that you or anyone else, myself, don't give a hot take when you don't have all the facts. Um, what the, the police still getting gathering information, still putting together a narrative of what happened. There were two separate 911 calls. There was one by a construction worker in terms of Richard Sherman um, crashing to a barrier. Allegedly, he's you know being drunk and then um, him potentially being breaking into um, a home of a relative and his wife called me 911 um, stating that he sent text messages to multiple family members saying that he was going to hang himself. Uh, this maybe is there a mental health issue going on with Sherman? We don't know that. And so we we don't have the full extent as to the state of Richard Sherman why he was even in this situation in the first place. All we know is that there was two 911 calls and what has happened. And so how do we put together a narrative to be able to do speak to the charges that are facing that's that that Richard Sherman is facing, what we'll have to deal with, how does the NFL address it, how does the NFLPA address it, and how do we take a step back to be able to see what's happening as the details emerge, but at the same time not to be able to create some sort of media narrative overall as to who Richard Sherman is and where did he what does he face the criminal justice system and his character as a person? Xavier Pope is with us. So we're hitting on what happened to uh, Richard Sherman yesterday. He was arrested at six in the morning. And as uh, Xavier said, uh, a, a car accident uh, allegedly involved. And then we hear the 911 call, which I also thought was interesting in terms of hot takes uh, because the 911 operator was trying to get information. And, she, you know, she was pushing back and she was truculent. And I, I don't think a lot of people have listened to 911 calls uh, before. Did you hear anything on there that was distressing? Well, you, you had a situation where this is his wife explaining a distressing situation and going back and forth uh, over the state of Richard Sherman. And we still have to ascertain why that was happening and why. And this is her version of what's going on. This right. is not Richard. This is not Richard Sherman. These are not some of the other individuals that are involved. So we really don't know everything about what actually happened. And that's why it's important for us to deliver these hot takes. Uh, when there's still news developing over what's happening. We saw uh, the initial charges come out, and it was, you know, burglary and domestic violence. And then as we got some of the facts, it started to look like, well, maybe that really wasn't the case. What do you think about the labeling of certain crimes, and can that be dangerous? Well, I think it's, we also have to consider what is the, what's the statute in the, in the applicable jurisdiction when the it was the close familiar relationship that Richard Sherman had that spoke to it being a domestic situation. But when we hear domestic violence, we think, okay, Richard Sherman, he's beat up a, a child or a beat up a woman. And then there's a narrative that goes around that. And then everyone's spinning hot takes about violence towards women or violence towards children, or then this person being extremely violent. And then now it's taken off and we actually haven't determined what's really happened. And so, Statutes have their place and, and for certain reasons. And it's and we the question of the law when 
it takes time to be able to to to, to fully vet what's happened. You can't use social media to chain now change laws because how certain things are labeled because it stirs up a certain emotion in us. We just have to, as social media, slow down and let people who are smart about these things talk to it, like like myself, come on the networks <laughs> and explain to people what's happened, and so that we don't have lay people, we don't have knowledge base or experience in certain areas running their mouths talking about things they don't know. Do you think certain media people get so big where they get to a point where they really don't bounce things off of people around them? Because you do need some perspective. Sometimes you get you know so huffy and puffy, which brings us to Stephen A. Smith and Shohei Otani, and that turned into a firestorm. And I think there was a way to present the discussion, but he didn't present it the right way because so often his delivery is blustery. What did you think of what he said about Shohei Otani, and did it go as far as being racist. I, I heard uh, someone say yesterday that, you know, uh, it was actually Keith Olbermann who said, hey, this is, you know, Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente all over again. And I pushed back a little bit. I was like, yeah, I don't think it was to that level. But what do you think? Was it was it hating on Asians? Uh, I, I don't think that Stephen A. Smith was per se hating on Asians. He just made an ignorant statement grounded in appealing to a certain type of fan of sports, which is basically conservative white male fans um, who may not necessarily get Shohei Otani being from a different country and being having a translator and being able to to connect with him as a bas- as a sorry, as a baseball player and saying, but that but that's he's assuming something for that fan base that may may not have ever said that's what they don't want. And he, he sent her um, uh, Mike Trout as well, he mentioned another player. He mentioned uh, Bryce Harper, which, Bryce which, which Harper. on our we, we know Bryce well here in Vegas. He's a Vegas guy. You know, I came, I came back and I was like, wait, those guys are actually kind of boring. Like, they can speak English as their first language. Mike Trout says nothing. Bryce Harper has been programmed kind of like a Tiger Woods from his teen years to be a robot. He says nothing. So you picked actually the wrong guys who speak English as their primary language. Yeah, you, but you pick these two white players, though, and centering white players as in Major League Baseball, they need white stars to be successful instead of turning around and focusing on what's really important, which is, OK, have more Asian-American journalists to cover Japanese and Korean baseball players, have more Latin-American journalists that will cover Latin-born baseball players. Which, by the, that- by, by the way, Xavier, let me break in for a second. I thought one of the funniest things of the All-Star game was... Uh, Vlad Jr. hitting a home run as Joe Buck is talking to Fernando Tatis Jr. Then Joe Buck, for some reason, is like, is like, say something to him as he's going by. And then Tatis rips out some Spanish, and I'm sure the you know Buck and the producers are like, well, uh, that wasn't what we wanted. Well, that's the, ga- <laughs> that's the game now. The game has always been an inter- international game, but now even more so. That's why the game is, in terms of talent, the best it's ever been because it's pulling from the world. And, and here's the thing, and that's, this is where Stephen A. Smith missed it, is all professional sports leagues do inter- international re- uh, uh, outreach to be able to expand the game into other markets so they can bring in more fans. We saw what Yao Ming did for when he was with the Rockets to be able to increase the exposure of the NBA in China. We, we've seen now and the NBA is now going to Africa to be able to be able to expand there. These are these are the two largest continents that exist. You should be reaching out to expand. And that's why the NFL went over to London to have games over there. It's yep. not about 
language. It's about just expanding the sport. So guess what? It can make more money. You can pay athletes more money. The teams have more value. That's what should have been brought up, not necessarily tamping down whether Shohei Otani should be the star of the sport. Let's talk about what's going on in terms of producing hot takes on video. I saw the video a couple of days ago of a rapper, DaBaby, and he tried to video shame some kids on the street. And I thought this was another, you know, multi-layered discussion. I don't know what this rapper should be doing, but describe what was happening there. And I, there, was a, there was a pretty good argument on both sides about him getting after kids for selling candy on the street and trying to overcharge him. Yeah, DaBaby was outside of, I don't know, it was a tour bus or some sort of vehicle and he was approached by two young African-American um, boys that were selling, um, they were selling kind of Nutri-Grain bars, it looked like, um, on the street. Um, and we have him basically asking how much does it cost for the box? The both of the boys basically said it was $200 for the box. And then the baby felt that it was his duty to basically tell them that they were trying to get over on him and he was, they, they were overcharging him. And that he, they could not do this to him, like he, they were the same level of, at the, and like they were adults, and then decided to give them four dollars after antagonizing. And then they he records the video, right? And people were saying that he was teaching the kids a valuable lesson about cheating other people. But I most certainly what people missed is that they weren't probably walking up to average people on the street and saying it's two hundred dollars per box. Otherwise, they, otherwise they wouldn't sell anything in the box right they, they they are impoverished probably kids who are having to take more responsibility for their families than they should and then they're put in a position where they see someone who's famous so they turn selling into charity and i think that that's what people missed is that no they were reaching out to you to help them and so that they didn't know necessarily know the proper language to say hey we are in need we need we need money, but hey, we're offering you this more than the market value of this box as an instrument to be able to appeal to you and maybe you can help us. And that's what the baby missed. And he missed the opportunity to be able to be seen in a more benevolent sense as opposed to schooling kids. Right. I wonder how many times the baby buys something that is at an extremely exorbitant price, you know, that cost whatever five ten fifteen bucks to make whether it's a piece of clothing or sneakers or whatever you know some kind of electronic item where he is getting completely hosed but you know there is no lecture there's there's no lesson to be taught in that case that I mean yeah. it's sad but that that is the world of business as you sell things you also try to judge the consumer and see what the max level price you can get is from the consumer exactly so you can go and get on your on your on your records you can rap about how much it costs to buy a certain chain, a certain car. And these these manufacturers are, hey, hey, they're marking up from wholesale and selling it to you for a marked up price. And see, you come in into these places and see how you're dressed and say, oh, they're flocking to make sure they make as much money off of you as possible. <laughs> but you see two kids that are poor selling you a box of of uh, Nature Valley bars and you try to school them. I thought it was 
Um, I thought it was profoundly ignorant by him. And I thought it was really short sighted of people to look at the kids. We always tend to look at people that are impoverished and we shame the poor. We right now have a child tax credit. People are upset that there's poor and struggling Americans getting money, but not upset about rich in the corporate not paying taxes or not paying their fair share. I think we get it backwards in this country. Xavier Pope is with us, attorney out of Chicago. Uh, opines on just about everything on Twitter. He's great. He, again, he joins us every Thursday. Let's close on some uh, some more lessons, some some media lessons here. Folks, don't always get wrapped up in you know what appears to be uh, battles over salary. There's a lot of stories behind the stories, and I think it's fascinating now, the Maria Taylor story and how this has turned out. Um, Xavier, I don't know about you, but there are people that I've come across in media and in general where I'm around them and I'm like, that person is next level. They're going somewhere. And Maria Taylor is one of those people. Like she's just, she's better than the average media person. It looks like she's going to ink a deal to sign with NBC. She's going to do the Olympics. And I'm telling you, she's going to be the kind of person, media person, who's going to rise to the level where she'll be considered for like the Today Show. She could be making 25 and $30 million a year. And that whole thing about her asking for $5 million that came out a couple of weeks ago, whether it was weaponized by ESPN or weaponized by agents, I don't know what the deal was, but in the end, Maria Taylor has won out, and she's going to the next level for big money, Stephen A. Smith's money. Yeah, Maria Taylor probably is going to wind up making more than Stephen A. Smith when it's all said and done. And you're right. I think Maria Taylor, we're going to see her probably do go the Robin Roberts route where she's anchoring you know, a, a flagship program like the Today Show. And, or, you know, CBS This Morning, or even she stays with the Disney family, she wind up going to Good, you know, Good Morning America. And that's just how talented in, uh, as, she, it, as she is, and she's a star, and nothing's going to stop her from getting where she's going because she is, she is knowledgeable, she is smart, um, she has an incredible voice, um, an incredible presence on camera. And, you know, we, in, in, in negotiations, we see things leak about, you know, what happens with organizations all the time. So this is not specific to just her we just see it embroiled in a lot of the different things that happen with Rachel Nichols and then comparing to Stephen A. Smith but she is a singular talent that will get more she will wind up making more in her career per year than Stephen A. Smith one day Uh, let's close on some hoopage from a storyline standpoint what's more interesting to you Team USA and some of the struggles and then following that team in what could be a really competitive Olympic field or the NBA finals. What's more interesting to you? I think the NBA finals is more interesting to me. Um, first of all, the USA Olympics on a basic level, the having players play for two, almost two years um, with very short breaks in between, I think it is doing a disservice to some of those players uh, coming off of that. Um, and I think that's something that that's important to mention. But the NBA Finals, I mean, this is the largest stage. These are these are winners. These are you. You're, you win in the NBA Finals, you become legendary. You some of the top the one, top one or two players, maybe three players of those that the team that wins winds up getting into the Hall of Fame. This is supposed to be the Chris Paul Championship, but instead Chris Paul is now struggling the last couple of games. Maybe he'll turn it around at home. But also the ascension of uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who. He is now showing how great he is on the big stage and how much he wants a championship. And so to me, this is more interesting. It may not be the matchup that many people wanted, but this is the finals that you wanted, and you're getting it as 2-2. And I think we're going on seven, and I think this is what the NBA wants. Uh, let's close on social media news. So it looks like uh, – I don't even know what it was, so I, maybe it didn't work. I guess uh, is Fleet is – that, was that Twitter? Is that out? And now Twitter Spaces is the big thing? 
Yeah, it looks like uh, Fleets on Twitter is being shuttered on uh, August the 3rd by Twitter, and they are going to replace the top line where you see the Fleets with the active uh, social audio platform they have, which is Twitter Spaces. Um, and Twitter Spaces was presented to, to compete with Clubhouse, but we've come out of a pandemic. A lot of people were inside during the pandemic, and social audio became big, I believe, because people didn't have anyone to talk to or anyone to see. So whether social audio... Uh, <laughs> We just saw also um, Spotify launch their green room to have fans interface with artists. I think that might be more successful because it could be tied to dollars and cents in terms of what artists potentially could make. So that may be big. But whether Twitter spaces actually winds up becoming this big thing, this remains to be seen. But I don't know if social audio will continue to be popular now that the world is open back up. All right, Xavier. Uh, one more time, uh, give a pop to Suit Up News, uh, what you've been doing and what you're thinking about doing down the road. What's the next commentary going to be about? Yeah, Suit Up News, we're about to get into filming right now. We're going to talk a little bit about you know, income inequality in terms of how we view um, payments. We have child tax, tax, tax credit being issued today in terms of how we view taxes. And we're also going to talk a little bit more about a couple other issues. Please stay tuned. Go to the timeline, hashtag Suit Up News, and check us out for more. Xavier Pope checking in with us on a Thursday. Check out Suit Up News on Twitter at Xavier Pope. His spot today is brought to you by our friends at Nova Home Loans. You know, May was Military Appreciation Month. Nova Home Loans had a great special they were offering to active duty military and veterans. Well, they made 2021, the rest of it, Military Appreciation Year. The same offers on the table. Nova Home Loans offering to waive their lender processing fee on all VA loans throughout the rest of 2021. You got record low interest rates, now no processing fees. It's a great opportunity for vets and active duty military to refinance the existing loan or purchase a home today. But you got to call 877-700-NOVA is the number. It's Nova Home Loans, 877-700-NOVA, and tell them Cofield sent you. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.